When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. My face in the cement, heard the last moan of the boxer, seen the massacre of the innocent, felt around for the light switch, felt around for her face, be treated like a farm animal on a wild goose chase, west of Jordan, east of the rock of Gibraltar, I see the turning of the page, curtain rising on a new age, see the groom still waiting at the altar, try to be pure heart, they arrest you for robbery, mistake your shyness for aloofness, your shyness for snobbery, got the message this morning, the one that was sent to me about the madness I'm becoming, what one was never meant to be. West over Jordan, east of the rock of Gibraltar. I see the turning of the page, curtain rising on a new age, see the groom still waiting at the altar. Those are the opening verses to The Groom Still Waiting at the Altar, a song that appeared on Bob Dylan's 1981 album, Shot of Love. And this is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly. And joining me to talk about this song, which stands unique in the Dylan canon, but we'll get to all that, is musician Mark D'Souza. Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, Rob. So happy to be here. I'm happy to have you here. As, as I've mentioned on previous episodes, I love when I get to have musicians on the show because, uh, as everyone knows, I know nothing about music. And so it's very difficult for me to speak to the musician side of, of Dylan's work. And so I'm always happy when I can, I can have, have that angle uh, to the show. But before we talk about the song and there's other things we want to get to, like how did you uh, come to appreciate Bob Dylan's work? Oh, well, you know, it's been so long now, and I, I know you asked this of all your guests, and so it took me a minute to sort of just go back all that way, but um, you know what it was? It was the first edition of the Bootleg series, the volumes one to three, because I was still a teenager at that time, but I'd been a musician already for a couple years, and I'd been writing songs and, you know, just knocking around, you know, experimenting with stuff. And at the same time, I'd been, you know, getting into reading anything I could about rock music and, and reading all the magazines, Rolling Stone Spin and all that stuff. And I remember when the Bootleg series came out, because Dylan had sort of been under the radar for, you know, five or six years at least. He'd sort of went through some hard times critically and stuff. But when that came out, it was like, you know, here's three CDs worth of, uh, you know, these un- unreleased masterpieces. And mm-hmm. I just, I couldn't wrap my head around it as, as a young musician thinking, you know, wait a second, so... This guy has all these masterpieces that he chose not to release, and, and it just it, it boggled my mind. And so I picked it up, and and yeah, sure enough, I was like, I what? So so this guy wrote this song and decided, oh, that's not good enough to put on my album. And it's like they're masterpieces, all of these things. And not only that, I was listening to it, and I couldn't believe the same guy, you know, that was doing hard times in New York town was the same guy you know, who was singing Series of Dreams. It sounded like two different people. And, you know, in essence, it sort of was. Like, he's led a lot of different lives. But yes. I just thought, this, what, who is this guy? And I just sort of dived in. And, you know, as you probably well know, like, from there, it's sort of like a cliff. You just sort of fall right off. And, <laughs> and you know, that, that compilation is so great because it has, well, up to that point, 30 years or so, it had little bits from every period in his life. So, you know, you're listening to the Rolling Thunder era and you're, you know, just blown away by that. And then, you know, the, you know, a couple of weeks later, you'll listen to something from Infidels and you're just like, whoa, you know, I got it. And there's so many different facets to fall into. And, you know, ever since I've started listening to him, there's 
it's never ended. You know, the fascination and sort of finding these things out. That's really interesting that that's how you got started because, I mean, that's – I mean, yes, that set is amazing and it's a great sampler because, as you say, it starts, you know, like in 1961 when he's, you know, playing Woody Guthrie songs and then it ends with, the, you know, the stuff from Oh Mercy, which is very different. But and it, And then it hits everything in between. But still, those are like – Castoffs and weird songs. That's a, that's really interesting to start there. But I mean, man, it's it's it kind of reminds me of the quote Joan Joan Baez said about Dylan, where she said, "You know, he doesn't hit it for everybody, but for the people that he does, he they he goes deep." And so yeah. that's the kind of thing. It's like it's the bootleg series is the kind of thing where if if you're not into it, you're probably just like, "All right, I don't know what that was." But if you are into it, it's you're it's Alice down the rabbit hole at that point. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, and it Lord. and since then it's been, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been years of just you know collecting and you know bootlegs and all sorts of stuff. And I mean, I, when I started really, really getting into him, he was already sort of on the never-ending tour. So you know, there's this like show after show, and you know following online of, you know, oh, what rarity did he play tonight? And, you know, what song did he debut that he's never done before out of the blue? And <laughs> it's, it's a fun, it's a fun little thing to just always have sort of going on. Yeah. Oh, it's just, it's remarkable to think about. And uh, as we are recording this, uh, Bob just celebrated uh, his 77th birthday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so happy birthday, Bob. And uh, I, again, another quote that I, I think about is I saw this in a, I think it was a Dylan fan magazine on the tracks. I think it was, and they were talking. This was about 15 years ago, but it was it was somebody in the magazine was talking about some um, Cuban musician. I wouldn't forget the name, but this guy, this Cuban musician, was like 98 and still doing concerts. And and somebody said, well, think about that and think of the idea that we maybe could be getting 30 more years of Bob Dylan concerts. <laughs> yeah, like, wow. That's that's probably going to happen. If Bob lives that long, that is probably what is going to be the case. So, yeah, uh, yeah. happy birthday, Bob. I I, I steal a quote from um, – oh, shoot, I forget who said this. But it's, it's, you know, happy birthday, Bob. Thanks for all the gifts. You know, because it's Bob gives stuff to us. It yeah. feels. Uh, it feels. There's what. What could. What could anybody get Bob Dylan at this point that he himself can't get or doesn't already have? But thank you for everything, Bob. So happy birthday! But um, so anyway, that, that, well, that's fantastic. That that is that is great. Have you seen Dylan live? Uh, yeah, about maybe I think about ten or ten or twelve times, something like that. Oh wow! Okay. Have you enjoyed them? Oh yeah, yeah. I've I've loved every show for different different reasons. I mean, I know a lot of people say you know it's sort of hit and miss and stuff, but I mean, I just like going to watch him interact with the band. I don't you don't see a lot of sort of band leaders that are of his stature that sort of get in there and jam with the band. Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember like the first few shows I saw were like around the late nineties and. That was when he was sort of going through what I call his guitar hero period, where he took almost, he took almost, he's got some of the best guitar players in the world playing next to him, and every, almost every solo section, he would just sort of jump out and start like doing these sort of two or three note solos. Uh, but he would get right in there with the drummer and, and Tony Garnier on the bass and just rock out. It was so much fun. And um, yeah, I love every show I go to see from him. I love it. And, you know, the last few shows I've seen have been, you know, he's leaned a lot on the last few albums as well as the standards albums. And I've been blown away by those performances. And, you know, I, I read in the, the news, some of the newspapers, some bad reviews afterwards and people commenting, oh, this is terrible. And, oh, he's just resting on his laurels. Well, I don't know any like guy in his late 70s who you'd call resting on his laurels who's doing sort of all newer songs <laughs> to him. You know, I mean, if he was doing all 60s songs, that would be sort of, you know, always oh, just, you know, going through the motions. But you can tell he's really he's really striving for something every night he's out there. That is true. I mean, yeah, if he wanted to do that, he could just come out and do the greatest hits package. 
you know, and yeah. blowing in the wind and times are changing and all along the watchtower. And he doesn't, he doesn't do that. He's sing, he's doing lots of different stuff. That's funny. The guitar hero phase. It, it makes me think of another quote I heard from um, Bucky Baxter, one of his former bandmates. And, and, and he said that he said, they asked him like, what's, you know, what's playing, what's, what's it like playing with Bob Dylan? And he said, it's the coolest um, professor that you'll ever have. And he, <laughs> said there were, he said, there were times where you're on stage where he throws you a smile and it is the greatest experience you've had in your life. And then there's other times where he gives you, you mess something up and he throws you a look that just says, you suck so bad. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you just want to, he goes, you just want to curl under the keyboard at that point. So. You know, I remember uh, when Bob got sick and he had to cancel all of those, a lot of tour dates from that year. He had his sort of heart scare around the late nineties and Bucky Baxter uh, saying that, you know, it was sad when that happened, but he, but Bob still paid the band and he was really happy because Bucky said, you wouldn't really find many other hillbilly acts that would do that. <laughs> that's I heard that. That is a, that's a great detail that he continued to pay the guys. I mean, they, yeah. they've, they've, you know, signing up to, to be in Bob Dylan's band is a, is more of a commitment than, than probably most people. Cause it's not a short tour. It's a year long tour, you know, yep. I mean, Garnier has given up the last 30 years of his life to tour with Bob Dylan. I mean, yep. it's kind of an amazing thing. It's, not, it's a lifestyle. It's not just a, a gig, you know? So, uh, well, that's awesome. That's, that's, that's fantastic. And what a, what a great way to get started with the bootleg series. So, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're here to talk about the groom still waiting at the altar, which is on, uh, back when there were albums, uh, side two of, uh, Bob's 1981 album shot of love. This is the, I think, the first shot of love uh, song that we're getting to on the show. Um, that record is, is interesting in that it comes, it is referred to by a lot of people as the third album in the so-called born again trilogy of slow train coming saved and shot of love. Uh, although shot of love has a lot more, um, uh, you know, non Christian related material on it. But at the same time, it has a song called property of Jesus which is about as explicitly, you know, explicitly Christian as anything he's written. So um, the the album cover is like a Lichtenstein piece. It, it was he said it was the album was meant to be as kind of like a piece of pop art, and uh, this this album came out of an incredibly fertile time in his his songwriting. I mean, there are there are bootlegs out there of entire. Like entire bootlegs of songs left off this album. I mean, I have I have a a bootleg that has something like twenty songs on it. Half of them are like written. Some of them are, and then the the other a quarter of them are sort of like half written, and then another quarter are just instrumentals. But these were all songs that he wrote around the Shot of Love time period, and then left off the album, which is amazing. I mean, the the amount of material he was cranking out in eighty one, eighty two is is just is just remarkable, and. Uh, I mentioned at the top of the show that this song stands unique in the Dylan canon in that it is the only Bob Dylan song that he has ever recorded that he has allowed to be added to an album later. He has never allowed his albums to be changed in any way except for this one. Because when Shot of Love was released in 1981, Groom Still Waiting at the Altar was not on it. Uh, it was He just deemed it wasn't, I guess, good enough or whatever to be on the album. But then when they started pumping out one of the singles, which was Heart of Mine, which is is on this album, um, they released Groom Still Waiting as a B-side. And apparently it generated enough radio play that when the album was reissued – or not reissued, when it was issued for the first time on CD, uh, it was added. 
which has never been done before and never been done since. So obviously Bob must have realized in the intervening years, you know what, this song really should have belonged in there. And I, I can't picture this this album without this song on it. Can you? No, it, it totally makes the album. And uh, yeah, the fact that he didn't put the, the, and as well as a couple of the other ones, you mentioned all the stuff he was doing at the time, like Angelina, which, you know, eventually saw the light of day on the bootleg series. But that is another song. Like, it's like I was saying before, I can't believe that he makes some of these decisions. And that I like Shot of Love in the end. I, I generally like it as an album. But when I hear everything else that he, he could have put on it, uh, and we just we are very lucky that Groom Still Waiting at the Altar eventually did see the light of day. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I'm glad that uh, somebody got to him and said, you know, put this on there. I said it's it's it really is a great way to open the side two of this whomping uh, drum track. I mean, this this song. I mean, the lyrics. I read a little bit of the lyrics at the beginning. I mean, to, I don't have a handle on what is happening in this song <laughs> at all. It, I mean, it's, 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 so much chaos and that's that's that was the word that was exactly the word chaos it is just a ton of crazy shit happening all at once and there's this woman claudette who weaves in and out of the story of this guy but i mean other and and the song sounds chaotic there's all these kind of random i don't say random sounds that's not the right term but like can you you're a musician can you better explain what i'm trying to say like well just the, yeah the you know it's the way i always think about it when i listen to it is especially the way it's it, like it, listen to the way it starts it's it, it those guitars playing they sound like an alarm going off it's just like that that you know when your alarm goes off in the morning you can't get it to stop it's just like oh and it just from then on it just the drums fall in and the, then the vocals come in almost right away and it never lets up for that however long it is five six minutes whatever it is and it it never lets up right right through the fade out it's just there's so much uh, apocalyptic imagery just piled on and on, and it's 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 got so much words. Uh, he he really barely pauses to take breaths at points, and uh, yeah, I just I think it's such a great song. Yeah, I mean it barrels like a like a freight train. I mean I, I read the first two verses, and then it picks up with when it gets into this this woman Claudette, where he says, "Don't know what I can say about Claudette. Wouldn't come back to haunt me. Finally had to give her up about the time she began to want me, which is what an amazing turn of phrase. Yeah, but I know God has mercy on them who are slandered and humili- humiliated. I'd have done anything for that woman if she'd only made me feel obligated." And then he does the refrain, west of Jordan, east of the rock of Gibraltar. I see the turning of the page, curtain rising on a new age. See the groom still waiting at the altar. Put your hand on my head, baby. Do I have a temperature? I see people are supposed to know better, standing around like furniture. <laughs> That's another amazing line. <laughs> There's a wall between you and what you want. You've got to leap it. Tonight, you've got the power to take it. Tomorrow, you won't have the power to keep it. Again, these phrases are just Unreal. Yeah, and, and they, like when, you, in this when you take them slow like that, and they you, they do, you just think, wow, what a great line. But in the song, it, it goes by so fast. Like it's by the end, you're just sort of dazed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really is. It's again, it, you, the 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 term you use, making it sound like an alarm, is is really apt because it does have that kind of Wah! sound, and you're just like, you know, like okay, all right, all right, all right. You know, like you almost want it to sort of stop in a weird way, but then you're so caught up by the whole. Uh, and, and, you know, it. it's so wordy that, you know, as you're reading it there, it's sort of hard not to trip over the words. But just think, you know, he's doing it at a, quite a fast clip and he's managing to get every syllable in there like quite well. Like it's just it's an amazing vocal, too, as well as the lyrics. Yeah. I mean, I, I sing along to this in the in the solitude of my car, which is and, and I, I mess the words up <laughs> because of the way this thing goes by so fast. And so he wraps it up with um, 
Uh, he says, city's on fire, phone's out of order, they're killing nuns and soldiers, there's fighting on the border. What can I say about Claudette? Ain't seen her since January. She could be respectably married or run in a whorehouse in Buenos Aires. West over Jordan, east of the Rock of Gibraltar. I see the turning of the page, curtain rising on a new age. I see the groom still waiting at the altar. And I have to say, um, the line about, uh, what can I say about Claudette? Ain't seen her since January. And then the idea she could be respectably married or run in a whorehouse in Buenos Aires. I know, I knew someone like that. I, knew, I, I had someone in my life who I was uh, in a fairly intense relationship with, and then I haven't seen them for many years. And it occurred to me that, yeah, that's that kind of person. She might be married. She might be running a whorehouse in Buenos Aires. I mean, it's Bob, Bob really hit hit it on, and it, it is it is just this crazy mixture of the personal. You know the micro and the macro of all this, mm-hmm. this this Claudette woman, and 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 if you uh, you mentioned Angelina, uh, you you know if you listen to all the bootleg series songs from Shot of Love and all the the songs recorded for the album, the there's this these these women haunt the characters on Shot of Love. I mean, they're yeah. just this Angelina woman is very similar to this Claudette character, and it's just someone. But then you've guys said they're killing nuns and soldiers. You know, like pretty dark stuff. Well, yeah, there's a couple things I, I think about that, that stuff. And one is that with the nuns and soldiers and talking about South America, there was a, I mean, I, I was sort of coming of age, you know, a, a young teenager in the, around the 80s, around that time. And I remember watching the news all the time, and it seemed South America had so much political violence going on. And so when I hear these songs that were written around that time period, and, and some of the stuff on Infidels, which is, you know, a few years later, I just, it completely conjures up. I remember being a little kid, you know, watching the news and then saying, you know, there's more political violence happening in, in South America and more, you know, religious figures being killed for, you know, standing up for their human rights and stuff. And so these songs, as well as the, the same thing with the Rolling Stones undercover, I don't know if you remember that video that they did. It was, And that was from 1983, which is, you know, a couple of years after this, but it had all those uh, South American sort of violent shootings and everything going on. And, and, and again, and Jackson Brown, Lives in the Balance, same time period and referencing what's going on sort of in the way, way down there. And so that's why I think of these as all of a piece. And Angelini even, he mentions, you know, where would you like to be overthrown in Jerusalem or Argentina? Wow. So, so wow. All, these, yeah. all these songs sort of just, they wind around each other. You know what I mean? Like they all feel like of a piece of, of that time. Well, that's funny you say that because there is a there is a section here in the song. He says, uh, "Try to be pure heart. They arrest you for robbery. Mistake your shyness for aloofness. Your shyness for snobbery." Which again, hard line to sing. Um, Bob, Dylan has mentioned in interviews the the notion of something he calls make readies, which are lines that he writes that can sometimes be transposed from song to song. Uh, and he'll he'll lose, he'll use it in one song and then get rid of it and move it to another song and. You know, I guess as a songwriter, you, you kind of have that facility that you can sort of have this thought and it can and it can work here or it can work over here. And um, in the, uh, the the song Watered Down Love, which is another song on Shot of Love, there are there's an original version of Watered Down Love, which is much longer. And because on the, the, the on the Shot of Love album, that uh, that song is about three minutes and change. The bootleg version uh, is much longer. And that watered down love bootleg <laughs> it's getting complicated that watered down love bootleg version has a verse which is love that's pure is not what you teach me i got to go where it can reach me i got to flee towards patience and meekness 
you miscalculate me, mistake my kindness for weakness. <laughs> now, that verse never made it to the final version of Water Done Love. But here we see Bob taking a version of that verse and plugging it into Groom Still Waiting at the Altar. And I remembered when I got the bootleg that had that other version of Water Done Love, and I got to that section, I was like, wait, what? I've heard that before. So there, this, here's an example of Dylan doing that, of obviously Water Den Love got edited and changed it, so he moved it over to this thing, and it works. I like the idea, because I've been through that, of the idea of mistaking shyness for snobbery. I'm, you know, When I meet new people, I tend to be very quiet and very shy, and I think I don't necessarily always make – the best first impression because I think people are like this guy's not friendly and it's not that I'm just kind of keeping to myself and sort of pink so that that whole verse really jumps out at me because it, it I do feel like you know yeah I, okay I understand that and the, the idea that Dylan himself would the idea mistaking kindness for weakness um, <laughs> that's something that we're all dealing with today I mean look this 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 song to me is like what living in America feels like right now yeah, is where you get up every morning and you look at Twitter and you just grit your teeth for the hellscape that you are about to be introduced to. What kind of crazy shit is going on? Uh, and and that's what this song feels like. It feels nervous. It feels uh, tense. Um, apparently, there are two other versions recorded that are a little more melodic. This one is uh, ramped up. Uh, much gone much faster and uh, Clinton Halen in, in his one of his books about Dylan I believe the recording sessions where he analyzes every Dylan recording session he he said that he likes the version on the album but he said what happened to the tune and so I guess he's saying that the other versions were a little more melodic this doesn't have would you agree this version doesn't have like that much of a melody it's just kind of a beat really yeah it's I mean it's sort of a, a... A little bit, because it, it has that sort of blues structure to it. Um, I guess you could say it's sort of like, it's not quite as uh, tuneless as like Foot of Pride or something, but mm. um, I think that the fact that he sort of stripped it right down makes it even better. It's like, I think just everything jumps out more. I think it's a, b- a bit more biting with the way he's phrasing. I can't really picture too much more melody, actually. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I've never heard those versions, so I'd like to know. Now, this was uh, only played live five times. And they were all performed live before it was ever recorded for an album. This was part of his, um, you know, so-called Christian shows. I mean, he when he decided, when he made the decision in 79 to go on that tour where he only was going to play new material and only going to play born-again material, well, you can't do concerts where you're only singing songs from one album. So you got to, you know, you got to start writing a lot more or start doing covers, and Dylan did both, and he... Uh, debuted a lot of original songs on these tours, mixing it in with some amazing covers. And this was one of those songs that he wrote and then then eventually brought it into this studio. And so it's only been done five times and never again since. And have uh, you heard Have you heard the ver- any of the versions? I've heard one. Um, they, they're and- all spectacular, I got to say. I have them all, and they're all great. And not only that, I mean, out of the, the five or whatever times he did it, on three of the versions... He managed to have guest guitarists come up, and on the one show he had uh, Jerry Garcia. So Jerry, oh, wow. Jerry, he's playing the leads on them. And the next time it was Carlos Santana, and I believe that version is on the new uh, Bootleg series release. And then yeah. the, the other time he did it, he actually had Michael Bloomfield, who was the original guitarist on Like a Rolling Stone, and that yeah. that one is by far the best version because I'll tell you, Michael Bloomfield, 
his lead playing on that version, it matches the intensity of the lyrics and the intensity of the performance. It's just, it's one of the best guitar sort of seat of your pants, sort of spine tingling playing. Cause I'm sure he didn't know it. I'm sure Bob just said, Oh, you know, it's a blues and a, you know, watch me for the changes. And they just, they totally <laughs> go for it. And that's amazing. Uh, sad, sad to say, but a few months after that, that was Michael Bluefield's final uh, live performance. And he was, he died of a heroin overdose a couple months after that. Yeah, I was going to ask. That had to be one of the last things Bloomfield ever did because I knew yeah. he died not too long after that. That's and, oh, that's. And you know what? Uh, Bob was uh, kind enough. The Michael Bloomfield box set that came out about I don't know four or five years ago, something like that. Uh, Bob let them use that version of Grim Still Waiting at the Altar on on that box set. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, that's, it's on it. So it's on, it's on Spotify. You can you, you know you can find it on there. And yeah. oh my god, I got to head right over to. That. Okay, that's fantastic. That's really cool. That's that's great of him. Uh, yeah, they. They, uh, those guys, they really, uh, really had something when they got together, man. You know, yeah. they really were, really were good. Um, in terms of the the title of the song, I've always been sort of bewildered as to what the groom's still waiting at the altar. I mean, other than the basic idea of you know you've been jilted at the uh, <laughs> at the altar, there is a quote from the Bible from Ephesians five twenty five, which is Christ is the bridegroom, and the bride for whom he waits is the church, representing the Christian faithful. So I have to assume that at the very least, that's where Bob was taking that from. Um, but again, it's it, the, the, the actual quote unquote meaning of this song has always sort of eluded me other than it is just this sort of chaotic mess and, and trying to deal with the personal and dealing with, again, this Claudette woman who weaves in and out of your life. And, and while you're just trying to hang on, I mean, again, they're killing nuns and soldiers. The, the line about, um, there's a wall between you and what you want and you've got to leap it. And then tomorrow you might not have the power, you know, you might have not have the power to keep it. It's. Everything is transitory in this song. Nothing mm-hmm. is, nothing's everlasting, even the good stuff. The bad stuff isn't lasting, neither is the good stuff. It's all just going by at this massive blur. And that's, again, that's what, the, that's what it feels like. And it sits really perfectly in the album because it's just this jolt of energy basically right in the center of it. And it's like you said about uh, the woman in the song. There's, he, he's got a lot of songs where he, he sort of has this thing where there's this giant story going on, but there's always a woman at the center who is anchoring it, like, like Isis. Mm-hmm. Or uh, or even visions of Johanna, you know. There's all these things going on, but this, at the heart of it, it's a woman who's grounding the whole thing. Yeah, it's uh, the, the the you could do. Uh, it would be amazing to sort of do like catalog all these. Uh, women that have weaved in and out of Bob Dylan's songs. Now, interestingly enough, uh, I'll give a little peek behind the curtain. Um, when I started this episode, I started reading the lyrics from the official Bob Dylan website, and I learned as we were recording that the lyrics listed on BobDylan.com are completely not the lyrics. They're completely different than the version that Bob Dylan actually sings. So I want to mention a little bit of the lyrics here as listed on BobDylan.com. And it says, prayed in the ghetto with my face in the cement, heard the last moan of the boxer, seen the massacre of the innocent. Okay, that's all the same. Fell around for the light switch, became nauseated. She was walking down the hallway while the walls deteriorated. It's just, again, an amazing turn of phrase. And it kind of reminds me of what you were just talking about on the bootleg series, that it's like, you know, Bob would record these masterpieces and then just leave them off albums. To me, if I ever wrote the line... She was walking down the hallway while the walls deteriorated. I'd be like, I'm done. I'm yeah, done. yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I mean, those live versions which came before the the studio version was recorded, they have a lot of alternate lyrics, mm-hmm. a lot of them, and they're and it is so wordy. I do not know how he manages to fit all those words and sing them 
in any way that makes sense. And um, it sort of reminds me of a story that I don't know if Sam Shepard told when they were writing Brownsville Girl together. And uh, Sam Shepard said when they were writing it, like he sort of knew what the cadence was going to be. So he was trying to work within that. But he said Bob kept coming up with all these like really, really long lines. And Sam Shepard said, well, that's a good line, Bob. But, you know, like, how are you going to be able to sing that? And Bob just looked at him and said, don't worry, I can do it. That's I never heard that story. Yeah. That's terrific. That's great. Bob's just like, don't worry about it. I can handle it. I'm yeah, sure. yeah. I can do it. I've been, I've been, I, you know, it's funny. I mean, it's you think about the 40 billion songs that live in that man's head. Uh, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's, it is extraordinary just how many verses and how many words he has, especially when you think about some of the songs that are not so linear and they're just these sort of jumble of images. I mean, stuck inside of Mobile or whatever. Like, how the hell does he remember all this stuff? <laughs> I mean, it's just just remarkable. So yeah, I mean, this song has just been sort of forgotten for the most part. I mean, I've I I don't uh, I don't I don't I'm not familiar with too many covers of it in particular. Uh, and so, and Bob himself, like I said, he did it the five times, and that's it. I'm always curious about how he copyrights these songs because he's clearly copyrighted these words. And it's like, how does it work when you change the words? Can you copyright those other words? I never know how it works exactly, you know, because obviously the version on the record presumably is the copyrightable one because that's the one you put on the album. And that's that's your, you know, it's it's always weird to me that there's alternate versions and you're like, well, which one is officially Bob Dylan's recording? I don't know. Not really yeah. how that works. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really remarkable song. I can't, I've never known Shot of Love without it. So I can't picture that record without this song because as i said it's 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 right it's the it kicks off side two back when there were such a thing as records and it's just such a great jolt of energy it stands as a nice companion as the beginning of uh of, of the side with how the side ends which is every grain of sand which is one of dylan's great songs i would put it in that song is one of i'd say like one of his 10 greatest songs ever ever done and that is uh, slow and meditative and hymnal. Yeah, just think while, of how opposite that song is yeah. to this song. Like it just it two totally different things. Yeah, it's 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 it's, a, it's an amazing journey that he takes you on on, on that record. And so uh, I'm glad we finally got a chance to talk about Shot of Love. I said because it's it's a, it's an amazing album. Bob was pretty proud of it at the time. He did radio interviews and was actually trying to promote it because Saved had been a huge flop, and it was really the first record of Dylan's career that was just sort of dismissed. Not even not sold sold well just almost just critics just went this is forget it and he was just ignored and so he obviously i think uh, columbia or slash sony felt the need to you know this got to make some impression here and so that's i think that was the idea for shot of love shot of love was not that big of a hit actually infidels started making regaining some of the ground that he lost commercially shot of love did not do the kind of I don't know how you even measure these things, business the way uh, I guess they were intended, but it certainly added to the canon. There's some amazing songs in here and said, this is, this is one of them. So uh, before we, we wrap up here, um, I want to talk about like your music, Mark, like what's, can you talk a little bit about how Dylan has inspired you as a musician? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously he has, he has a lot, but I, like I was mentioning before, I started playing and writing, uh, years before I even really got into Dylan. So that the sort of framework of what I, whatever it is that I do uh, was sort of built before I discovered him. But of course, you know, you know, once you, once you get into him, you realize just how little limits there are mm-hmm. and just how everything is up for grabs. And that's, I guess the, the main thing I've sort of taken from him and his music and, and just to just, you know, never be afraid to go for it. 
That's great. I'm sure that's a, it's, you know, uh, that's, that's a great lesson to take from, from what he's done. Um, have you ever like tried to cover any of his songs? Oh, I've, I've covered probably at least a hundred of them in, in at various wow. shows and whatever. And, you know, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know why I can't even say what my favorites would be. Maybe Mississippi is probably my favorite one to cover, but, uh, Interesting. Interesting. yeah, I, co- I, I cover, I, I try to cover ones that I, you don't hear get covered a lot, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? That's really cool. That's I me. Mean, I would said I have no musical ability at all, and I would I always think about like I would sing so many Dylan songs if I had the ability to do any of that stuff because there's there's something so fun to sing. So, well, uh, excellent. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. I love, as I said, I love hearing from musicians because again, I I can't speak to that part of it. So I'm so happy to hear someone who can talk about keys and chord changes and all these things because that's such a big component of this. And and that's just a, such a huge blind spot for me. So um, thank you for reaching out and, and thank you for, for coming on. I really appreciate it. It was great talking to you. Well, thanks so much, Rob. Anytime. Uh, where can people find your work on the Internet? Uh, it's all over. I'm on Bandcamp, Spotify, uh, all the usual stuff. The best, easiest thing to do is just search my name because it's, it's Mark, but it's with a Q, M-A-R-Q. And then my last name, D'Souza, D-E-S-O-U-Z-A. And uh, if you put that in, all sorts of stuff will come up. Awesome. And we'll have a link, uh, link to that in the show notes. So uh, awesome. Again, thank you so much for coming on. Now, before we, we wrap up the show, I do want to mention one thing. I have gotten a couple of uh, inquiries from people about, am I going to be talking about Bob Dylan's whiskey? Uh, <laughs> since the last time we did an episode, he has released his brand of whiskey, his Bob Dylan branded whiskey, Heaven's Door. And um, I have tried to find it. It is not available in New Jersey at all. Whoa! Uh, I don't I don't know how that works, but if you go to um, it, there's a tab for his whiskey on BobDylan.com. Like it's I love it. it's kind of funny like how sort of nakedly commercial it is because if you go to BobDylan.com and you know you see the tabs and there's tour news albums songs books art store and now whiskey. <laughs> whiskey, whiskey is given the same uh, physical space as uh, albums and songs. But if you go to uh, the, the the whiskey tab, and there's three different uh, brand, not brand, three different types of whiskey that you can buy. They're all Heaven's Door, and they're all different kind of flavors, I guess. They are all sold out. Wow. They're all sold out. So you actually have to put your name in on a waiting list to get the this whiskey and i've done that so i we will be covering bob dylan's whiskey me and me and a guest already have a plan to do an episode about bob's whiskey <laughs> but i haven't been able to get it i and i didn't even know that it wasn't available in new jersey at all so i'm gonna have to order it online so i'm on a waiting list so presumably once bob is done cranking out some some homemade corn mash as he sang <laughs> in that one song on the self-portrait uh he'll bottle it and send it to me uh i'm guessing that's how it's going to work i don't know but we will get to it but i mean uh, but yes yeah, so so I guess it's a big success because it's it's sold out across the board. So 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 good for Bob. So uh, anyway, again, Mark, thank you so much. It was super fun talking to you. Um, this was a great song to pick, and so I can't wait to have you back. It'll, it'll be a lot of fun. Thanks, Rob. All right, everybody. Of course, back episodes of the show, fireandwaterpodcast.com, and we're always talking Bob over on Twitter, which is at pod underscore Dylan. So again, thanks everybody for listening, and we will see you later. Bye. Turn around.